Timestamp, episode 531. We're recording this on the 9th of August, 2022. It's about 2.20 p.m. Market's having a good day, I think. Is it? Uh, Finn said it was going to go down this morning, but uh, I'm not sure that that happened. I haven't had a look. But I wanted to start anyway by uh, giving our apologies. Yeah, market's up today, 0.28% so far. Give our apologies to uh, the family and friends of Olivia Newton-John. Two weeks ago, we did an episode. Ooh. I sang Let's Get Physical. I called the episode Let's Get Physical, and I think she, someone told her, and that that killed her. It was too much, uh, my rendition of Let's Get Physical. And uh, she passed away today, yesterday, one of the two. We even shot that video of me in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> well, the song, I was listening to the song over the weekend before she passed away. It came out and I was just thinking, like, when you listen to that song, it's all about having sex. It's a very, oh, yeah. very, very direct I want to have sex with you song. And the film clip being this Richard Simmons, Jane Fonda, <laughs> jazzercise kind of thing is really, I feel like it's a classic piece of uh, 80s uh, misdirection. You know? Oh, yeah. It's so, yeah. Well, that's why such, the song was, song was banned. Was it? In, in some states in the US it was, yeah. Really? Oh, so they said on the ABC this morning. We actually met her oh, very, very briefly five or so years ago. She was in Melbourne at a, there was a thing called, I think it was called the Young Presidents Association that we knew someone who was in who invited us along, invited Jenny along. I went along as well and Olivia was there. So tiny, tiny thing. It's, we've got a history of producing singing budgerigars in Australia. But look, yeah, I mean, it's um, not great news. She's battled with breast cancer for a long time, which is a cause near and dear to our family. Mm. Um, and she's done a lot of work to, uh, to help in that area. So good on her. Indeed. I read in the uh, ABC this morning that uh, she turned down the role of Greece originally because the role was supposed to be an American and she didn't want to do the accent. And so they said, oh, it's fine. We'll just change it and make it an Australian. And she was 29 when she shot Greece, <laughs> seven years older than John Travolta was at the time. Oh, uh, right. Try, supposedly playing a high school student. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it didn't matter. It was great. She was great in that. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, Judith Durham also passed away as well. Judith Durham, that's right. Two Australian singing legends. Yes. And I probably have uh, earlier memories of Judith Durham. I mean, the Seekers were a bit of, they were very, very, very uh, front and centre in my early childhood memories of Morning Town Ride and all those kinds of songs, New, New Day Dawning. Yeah. Carnival is over. Pretty sure the the songbook that I had in primary school where we'd sing songs every morning had a couple of Seekers songs yeah, in right. there. Well, moving right along, let's talk about the portfolio, Tony. Uh, well, the, the market's had a good week, more or less. It had a bit of a bad day on the 3rd, but it recovered. We're still underperforming for the financial year. I think we're uh, up about 5% versus the All Lords 200, up 10% for the financial year. Normally it's up 10% in a whole year. It's up yeah. 10% a month in. Our top performers for the financial year are IGL, 28%, BFG, 21%, AMO, 19%, TRS, 19%, and LAU, up 15%. 
But uh, the in from inception, it hasn't changed much from last week. We're up about 18% over the, what is it, uh, 20, 20, two and a half years, more or less, uh, September 2019. No, nearly three years. We're up 18% per annum, roughly, over the three years versus the ASX 200, which is up about 6% per annum over the three years. So we're doing about, we're not up at our 19 and a half mm -hmm. goal, but we're doing three times as good as the ASX 200 versus twice as good. So, uh, you know, we're, we're beating it on, uh, on that uh, metric. Best performance since inception, including closed positions, GRR up 184%. C6C, 177%, FMG, 87%, IGL, 63%, and CAA, 59%. So not, not, not bad. Not bad with those guys. A yeah. couple of uh, double baggers there over a couple of years. Yep. And uh, just echoing what you said in the last week or so, AMO is up 10.6%. On the flip side, the, the biggest uh, downturn was for New Hope Coal, down 7.7%. Coal's taking a bit of a beating. Yeah, it's it's coming off a little bit. A lot of the commodities are at the moment. We don't have much on the sell list for commodities at the moment. This isn't a Josephine anyway. Yeah, there's a lot of things coming out of Josephine status. I picked uh, picked up about I don't know, eight or nine things mm -hmm. that I could buy this week, filled up mm -hmm. a portfolio, but... Um, Still a lot of things, as we'll see when we get into the Q&A, a lot of people are really itching to buy into C6C again now that aluminium's uh, – sorry, uh, copper's not a buy, but it's going back up. We can't buy it, unfortunately. No, that's right. We are printing the Q&A. No, it's not quite a buy yet, I don't think. Although BHP thinks it is. They launched the takeover bid for Oz Minerals largely to get their hands on some copper, mm, copper mines that Oz Minerals has. Not paying attention to the 2BL. We should uh, <laughs> they need to pay more attention. As uh, Cosman posted on uh, the QAV Club group yesterday, following the rules is important. He was talking about Rule 1. Mm. Now, I think he's kicking himself for not paying more attention to Rule 1 on a couple of trades. For the record, the stocks that I found above the 2BL that were on the buy list this week, this isn't uh, all of them. These are just the ones that I didn't already have in a portfolio. Um, ASG, Auto Sports Group, HLS, Helios Limited, GMA, Genworth Mortgage Insurance, SKT, and I want to talk to you about that moving forward, Sky Network, NZM, which is NZME, SM1, Synlate Milk, talked about them recently, I think, REG, Regis Healthcare, they were the ones that I picked up that were barely above their 2BLs, most of these, barely. In fact, oh, actually, looking at the chart I have for NZM now, it's not above it. I don't know what happened there. Okay, double-check NZM before yeah. you do anything. I thought that was above. Oh, now I'm looking at the chart and it says it's not. So, Oh, no, it is above. It's coming down, but it's above. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Let me ask you about SKT, Tony. Um, I sent you an email about this, but I don't think you replied to me. So SKT, Sky Network, one note, because uh, I learned from my mistake last week and I Googled all of these before I bought them this week to see if there was anything in the news about them. And there was one thing about SKT. They have said that they're currently negotiating to buy MediaWorks's radio and out-of-home advertising business. And the share price took a bit of a hit 
when they announced, when they confirmed that in the last uh, week or so, I think it took a hit of about 6%. Still above the 2BL, though, when I looked at it, still on our buy list. You know, I don't see that as a bad thing. It could go either way, but if they're, mm. they're making an acquisition, they're not being acquired, they're making mm. an acquisition. Is that a risk factor for us uh, that would stop you from buying it or steady as no, you I don't think so. It sounds like it's being factored into the share price. So if, if the share price was down 6%, I, don't, I think I'd be waiting anyway because I don't like buying when the share price is trending down. I'd wait for it to turn up a little bit anyway, even though it's above its second buy line. But no, as the acquiring company, it's not like they're being acquired and there's a fixed price in the market and the market's met that price. And so there's, you know, there's not much upside risk to that mm. uh, deal. This mm. is a bit different. So no, I think given the fact it's been announced, it's in the share price, the market's adjusted to that. If it's still a buy, it's still a buy. It dropped by 6%, but then it started going back up. So when I yeah, looked okay. at it yesterday, it was going up. It's up at uh, 220 yesterday. I think it was 215 when I looked at it yesterday. It's 220 today. So yeah, it's continued to go in the right direction. It's good. Thanks for confirming that. I can cross that email off my list without reading it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 3PTL. <laughs> now, Brett Fisher uh, of the Bread Later. <laughs> That's, that's a loud crunch you just made mm. there, Tony. Tell us about the loud crunch, Tony. Oh, I will as soon as my mouth's free. <laughs> Very sticky. Thank you, Cameron. Cameron bought me a box of C's candy peanut brittle, which I assume came back from the US. It did. Got through customs. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't care about that. <laughs> yeah. it's, no, no, it's packaged, packaged food, shrink wrapped is all good. That's fine. Yeah, it's lovely. I feel like Charlie Munger here answering questions eating peanut brittle. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, brought back a box for me and a box for for us and a box for you. And um, I did think about keeping the second one and, and eating it myself. But Chrissy <laughs> said, no, send it to Tony. <laughs> Thank you, Chrissy. It's, it's surprisingly good stuff. Ooh, very tasty. And not not overly sweet. It's It's got a really nice flavour to it, you know. It's yeah. uh, very nutty. It's Lovely. a little nutty. Yeah, a little nutty. Little nutty. <laughs> just, just hard to do when I'm trying to do a podcast. <laughs> it's very sticky as well. <laughs> yeah, sticky and nutty, your two favourite things in the world. <laughs> Brett of the Bread Later sent an email. I think this was about HZN for memory. Mm, it was. We were I, questioning the second byline. Yeah. So I had been looking at uh, the second byline and the way that the we have a, uh, an alpha version of the Bredelator that's attempting to draw second buy lines, which isn't uh, publicly available yet because we're still beta testing it, I guess. And I wasn't sure about the way, I, I didn't like the way it was drawing HZN, so I sent it to you and you sent it to Brett and Brett replied and his reply was interesting. I was drawing this line through two points and it was coming down in a certain way and the share price was already above it. And he said, the problem is, is it's not intersecting with the line. So there's no third point. So that's a two point line, not a three point line. And that's done my head in this week. So <laughs> let's talk about that if we can. Yeah, well, sure. It's like the, the good thing about the bread later is it's coded all of our discussions in the past, Brett and I on three-point trend lines. So, you know, when we get sort of <laughs> real point next to questions about <laughs> how to draw a line, it's good to have the rules, so to speak, in code. Not to say that we can't change them if we think there's a better way of doing it, but it's good to go back to the rules and, and check it. So I think Brett's right. 
what he's saying is that there hasn't really been a trend established if we only have two points. So I guess if people can visualize the horizon, this is the horizon oil share graph. There was a, a, a very late H1, very high, a high point on the graph late in the day, and then it dropped and then it went back up again. So it's kind of like half a V or a, a Nike tick or something like that. But we can't, we don't have th- three points. So we have a H1 and a H2, but they're, that, they're the only two points that we're looking at. And I think Brett's right. We need a third point. Typically, we want two peaks and then we can see the trend when it crosses or two, two troughs and then we can see the trend when it crosses. We haven't been able to do that. There has been cases, I think, thinking back where we've had almost a straight line and then there's been a turn up. So we've actually got three points on those lines. I'm thinking about oil in particular, going back to the COVID days where we had, again, a, a H1 steep drop off and there was a, a point there at the end of that month. And then another steep drop off and another point before it turned up. So we did have three points there. So there's kind of a, at least two months worth of data to establish the trend line before it gets turned up. Okay. So when I'm looking for these two BLs in particular, I need to make sure that the price line is cutting through whatever that buy line is that I'm drawing. Yeah, so I guess the point is we ideally we want to have two peaks. Mm. So a H1 and a H2 peak, and then the price line intersects the line drawn across those two peaks. And it just becomes, we've had cases though where we've had three, maybe even more points on a, almost a straight line and then a, an upturn, and that's also breaking the trend as well. Okay, good reminder. Yeah, uh, well, in uh, Horizon's case, the... The bread ladder goes back to an earlier date to draw its yeah. byline. So in yeah. fact, it's been a, it's been a, above a second byline the whole time since sort of late February, I think. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Thank you to Brett and yourself for clarifying that for me. And I will for people who are listening to this going, I can't follow this because I can't see it. Crunch, crunch. I will. Uh, I'll I'll post it in the Facebook group so you can see it. Catchphrases, I did say at the end of the last show in the club edition that uh, we needed a catchphrase to the end to end out the show. Simo emailed me a couple of uh, suggestions. He, he's obsessed with time travel, apparently. <laughs> he said, uh, QAV won't change your past, but it will change your future. It's not a time machine, but thanks to QAV, my future looks good. They're both good. Well done, Simo. I, I, I played around with a bunch. If it is to be, then it's QAV. <laughs> rhymes. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it rhymes. I went through, it's not about intelligence, it's about a system. It's not about your IQ, it's about your IQAV. Mm, that's not yeah. bad. What is your IQAV? The one I came down to, though, is you know, like slow and steady wins the race. That's when I think about QAV, I'm trying to boil it down to... What is the core principle of QAV? I think that's one of them anyway. Slow and steady wins the race. Yep. Yeah, no, they're all good. Did you come up with any? Oh, just the one I've always used, which is I can make you a millionaire, I just can't do it overnight. <laughs> I thought it was good night from him and it's good night yeah. from me. <laughs> I thought that's what you meant last week when you said we need a catchphrase. I thought it was a sign-off catchphrase. Well, it is. It is a okay. sign-off catchphrase. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 
And remember, as we always say, we need something to put mm. in there that's unique and original and clever and can't rip off the two Ronnies, even though no. you are wearing Ronnie Barker's glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I like to know, QIV won't change your past, but it will change your future. Well, okay, good stuff. Hopefully right. for the better. <laughs> well, well, we'll go with that one for now, unless somebody comes up with uh, a better one. There's a coffee mug in it for whoever comes up with the uh, the best catchphrase. How are the coffee mug giveaways going? Oh, good. I've given out a few this week. I sent out a few okay. to people. They, they, I sent them out the same day I sent out your peanut brittle. They didn't get peanut oh. brittle, but uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, I'm sending them out now to people who refer a friend who puts their name down. When, when you sign up to QAV Club, you get a little pop-up box that says, where did you hear about us? If it was a friend, tell us who it was and we can send them a little gift. I'm sending those people uh, a coffee mug. When people, some people just Sometimes people go, I heard about a friend, but they don't give me a name, so uh, I, I can't help you there. But if they put your name down, I'll uh, drop a coffee mug in the mail to you as a little token of our appreciation. That's I would have got the peanut brittle. <laughs> Next time I'll come back with a caseload of peanut brittle and I'll send people a box of Warren Buffett's peanut brittle. What have you got to talk about this week before we get into the questions? Tune in. He's pointing at his mouth. <laughs> Maybe peanut brittle wasn't a good idea. Not a whole heap. I've been almost glued to the, the commodity charts for oil and for gold, the Australian gold chart because they've been bouncing around a bit and getting close to uh, to actionable breakouts or the reverse. Oil has, uh, been, has been flirting with its sell line, which I peg at about $88.80. I did see it, it's gone up again today, so it's, it hasn't quite crossed the bit. It got as low as, I think, 92 or 93 at the end of last week, so it's getting pretty close. So I'm watching those. And on the gold side, the AUD gold chart is no longer a sell. So it's back into buy territory, but it's still a Josephine. So I'm not going to rush out and buy any gold stocks, but I did put the brakes on selling West African resources. So I was kind of working through over the last week or so since Australian dollar gold became a sell, selling out. And I just put the brakes on that now because it's climbed up above that sell line again. And how far away is it from crossing a 2BL? A long way. It's like a, just a few dollars above the sell. And I think from memory, the figures are the sell price is $2,550. And uh, the price today was like $2,560, something like that. So it's very close. And you're going to do a pulled pork for us today? I am I'm going to do a pulled pork on Kelly Partners. And uh, that was a request from one of our listeners, I think two weeks ago. And actually, having gone through it today, yeah, quite a good one to do. It's um, a very interesting company again. Well, in a different way to Sol Pattinson's last week, but that was also an interesting one to research. So Kelly Partners isn't on our buy list, although I'm pretty sure it was early on. I can remember looking at KPG a year or two ago. The company itself is essentially a roll-up of accounting firms, chartered accounting firms. They basically have, I'll call it a franchise model, it's a partnership model anyway, where they provide the the back-end systems and the brand and the marketing, and then go and take 51% share in local accounting firms and, and aggregate them into a network. It's mainly based in New South Wales, but they do have some, I think they have one or two in Victoria, and they even have one overseas, one um, accounting firm overseas in Hong Kong. 
they focus on the SME markets, so they're not trying to take over or not trying to muscle in on the big four accounting firms territory, the PWCs and KPMGs and that kind of thing. But uh, they've been pretty successful in uh, in acquiring or starting partnerships anyway with the small accounting firms. And they currently have 29 businesses, which they've uh, acquired since listing, which is only uh, in the last couple of years. So basically, they're taking over uh, tax accounting firms, but they are branching out and offering other services that the uh, the accountants can, uh, I guess, bolt onto their businesses like audit, corporate advisory and acquisitions support for acquisition. So they're able to offer you know, additional services um, to just the straight tax accounting, which is, I guess, part of the attraction of, of selling out to your business to Kelly Partners. It looks almost like a, fran- a franchise relationship to me, but they call it a partner-owner-driven model. So they're basically becoming partners in the business, even though they take 51%, and keeping existing accountants in place and then improving the the local business with their backend systems marketing and these additional services. Some of the the strengths of the of this model is uh, because they're accountancy and tax accountancy businesses. Most of the revenue, in fact, something like ninety nine percent, is recurring. So that's a nice stable business model to have. You're not spending a whole heap of cash going out trying to find new business or even retain your existing business. Essentially, this this company Kelly Partners looks like a roll up. Uh, to me. So we've talked about roll-ups in the past where someone is attempting to consolidate a pretty fragmented industry. And at the moment, this company has a like less than 1% of the market share in the SME accounting branch business. So it's a, it's a large market. There are heaps of operators from one you know, sort of one-man bands through to small teams of people. The interesting thing about this company, which I think is why it was referred to have a look at for a pulled pork, is that the owner, Mr. Kelly, is applying a lot of Warren Buffett's uh, philosophies in his business. So they're not issuing shares to acquire the business, which I think is an interesting, to acquire new accounting businesses, which I think is an interesting strategy because it means they have to raise debt. We'll come back to that in a little while, but he's taken the Warren Buffett philosophy of not issuing new shares. So you're not diluting your current shareholders to buy out these accounting firms. And he's also not selling the businesses once they're acquired. So once they're in, they're in uh, for life. I guess some of the, the benefits of this model, the business systems are provided by Kelly Partners and that improves the uh, efficiency and services of the accounting firms they're acquiring, which means that their um, profitability and, and sales go up. It's, there's no doubt that taxation business is never going to get any simpler. It's certainly becoming more and more difficult with compliance regulations and increasing complexity. So I can't see there being a a shortage of need for accounting firms going forward. They're creating, uh, I guess, uh, a version of the network effect, which we've heard about before in in discussing technology stocks, where if you have enough eyeballs, it becomes a sort of self-perpetuating machine because they can cross-sell other services into the accounting networks. There's economies of scale. And uh, as more accountants become part of this business model and like it, then they provide more referrals. And so the, um, the business becomes bigger. The owner of the business talks about uh, building an economic moat, which is something that Warren Buffett talks about. But he's essentially saying this network effect allows them to build a moat because as their economies of scales get better, as they provide 
more and more services, then it becomes harder for someone else to compete against them. You basically got your big four, which is a space they're not playing in, and then your individual one-man band operations. And then you've got someone in between like these guys. And if someone tries to uh, replicate the model, they've got to invest quite heavily to do it. The business has been growing quite healthily, and they've actually, on a revenue basis anyway, achieved 30% revenue increase CAGA in the last five years. So it's growing quickly. And the interest, one of the interesting things about the business is if people want to go and check out Kelly Partners' website, they'll see an ownership manual or an owner's manual on the website, which talks about a lot of the things I just have, but also goes further and uh, talks about some of the philosophies of the business. And uh, in this ownership manual, there's a couple of uh, slides on some of the philosophies of uh, Mr. Kelly including a checklist he's put together from The Outsiders, the book that we have spoken about before, which uh, was written to talk about uh, companies with outsized returns who don't play by the rules. And The Outsiders checklist talks about having the founder and CEO making all capital allocation decisions, uh, having a, a determined hurdle rate for those capital decisions. And in this case, they want a 20% return on invested capital after tax. They calculate returns for all internal and external investment alternatives and then rank them. They're always on the lookout to repurchase their own stock. And uh, they, they've done a little bit of that, uh, and they prefer to do that rather than to issue new shares. They focus on after-tax returns and run all transactions by their tax council. Being tax accountants, they see obviously opportunities in, in doing that because they can um, maximize the taxation position. They determine acceptable conservative cash and debt levels, which uh, they have, although I question whether they have conservative debt levels, but I'll come back to that when we go through the numbers. Some of the important things, they consider a decentralization, decentralized organizational model. And uh, Kelly Partners has 15 central people in their, their services team, and uh, they have 300 accountants in the overall group. So it's fairly decentralized. So 5% works in head office and the rest work in the um, in the branches, so to speak. Their return on invested capital is greater than 20% since IPO. And they don't like uh, paying out dividends. So the yield on this stock is only 1%. So they, they prefer to reinvest in their business while it grows. And uh, their preference is to permanently own the businesses that they inquire, they they acquire. So interesting that um, he's sort of put down in writing the steel wisdom of the of the that book, The Outsiders, which if people haven't read, read, I recommend. It's on our website. There's a second checklist there as well about uh, the common traits about uh, the outsiders, which is fed into the checklist. So dividends are shunned. The founders are still owners in the business. They like buybacks. They like uh, acquiring new businesses. Decentralized organizational structure. Uh, no Wall Street guidance. So no no guidance to the, the stock market. They, they, they do their own idiosyncratic measurements of the business, their own metrics. Uh, so, for example, he's listed Buffett as having a metric of how much float they hold, as an example, and they have a focus on taxation. In the same owner's manual, there's also another page, which I won't go through, but it's a similar sort of page, but it comes from a book called 100 Baggers, which I haven't read yet, so I might go and pick that one up. And again, it, it you know, lists a, a 10 checklist items from that. Like, for example, operating in an unpopular and fragmented industry, uh, high gross profit margins, uh, Kelly Partners has 60%, uh, 
find the owner, founder, et cetera. So, and there was also a reading list at the back of the owner's manual. Most of them we've covered, uh, like uh, The Outsiders, Common Stocks and Uncommon Profits by Philip Fisher, The Little Book That Beats the Market, Damn Right by Charlie Munger, Titan, which was the uh, Carnegie, uh, Rockefeller story, sorry, Dando Investor, The Snowball, The Intelligent Investor, The Warren Buffett Way. So it's um, actually a good a good little thing to, to read through. So Kelly Partners is trying to implement these principles and I um, applaud them for that. However, it's not a QAV stock. So it has been in the past, but currently it's not. And uh, just to run through some numbers, uh, it's a small, currently a small, smallly, thinly traded stock. The ADT is only 77,000, which will suit some people, but not, uh, not a lot. And the market cap is $225 million. I'm doing this analysis on a $5 share price. The yield, as I said before, is less than 1%. This is one of the few stocks that we have that, that we look at, which, which has the share price above the consensus target. So the, the people who do cover this, and, the, and there aren't many, think it's overvalued. And its prop cap is 12.8 times. So on our basis, we think it's overvalued too. The financial health I wanted to spend a little time talking about. So... The financial health for this company is marginal, and it's been marginal for the last uh, couple of halves. So it's it's a steady financial health, but uh, it's not it's not liked by stock doctors system. And the main reason that I could have a that I can see from having a quick look at the stock doctor uh, financial health ratio ratios is there's a fair bit of debt, liability to assets. Liabilities is greater than assets, which is something stock doctor focuses on, and the quick ratio is uh, is low. So uh, they can't find cash quickly if they need to. And the company looks like it's about a bit over 70% geared, borrowing into their balance sheet. It seems to be the case that what they're doing is they're borrowing to acquire these individuals' uh, chartered accounting businesses to um, to bolt on to Kelly Partners. And that's an interesting way of doing it. I, I do question whether that's a mistake or not. I get the whole, I don't want to issue new, new shares and dilute current shareholders. But if you, the, the classic, business model for a roll-up is to do exactly that, to leverage off the high PE ratio. So for, in this case, the PE ratio for Kelly Partners is 30 times, which is quite high. So you're issuing less shares to take over a small accounting firm, which I would guess on the market might be getting sort of a PE of 5 to 10. Small businesses that, that aren't growing dramatically tend to be sort of around 4, 5, 6 PE ratios. So in a nutshell, if you could do this, one Kelly Partners share could probably buy four or five accounting companies. So it actually, traditionally, it makes sense to issue shares in Kelly Partners to take out these other these other uh, smaller companies, but they're not doing that. And it does, it does, I think, weaken their financial position and Stock Doctor thinks that as well. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have, invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc. Just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at 
qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style, but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Um, check that out too. Um, it's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, uh, you know, while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. Um, that's it. Um, if you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. you find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.